Welcome to the I'm a Health Visitor podcast. We want to help health visitors stay up to date, so we're here to give evidence-based information and insight into relevant practice issues. We're currently supported by the CPHVA Education Development Trust, McQueen Bursary. Hello, it's Jenny here. And hi, it's Amy here. And we saw, um, we've seen several um, posts recently, they seem to always come up on Facebook and things, certainly yeah. in health visitor groups, about use of um, sleep positioners and aids. And so I thought it'd be a really good chance to do a podcast on uh, a bit more information around these and around sort of probably sleep in general as well. So we've been really lucky to be joined by Alice from um, Basis. Hi, Alice. Hi, um, yeah, so I'm Alice. I'm a research assistant associate at a baby sleep information source basis, um, which we run. So I also work in Durham Infancy and Sleep Centre. Excellent. Amazing place to work, by the way. I'm very excited you've got a conference coming up this year, haven't you, that I'm uh, really looking forward to. I'm really hoping I can wangle to come. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, we've got a conference at the end of the month. So it's, it's kind exciting. of a celebration. We've been open for 20 years doing research. So it's kind of Blimey. a big celebration of everything that we've done. It looks the incredible. Time. The lineup's fantastic. It looks really, really good. So And is really this exciting. in person that you're doing the conference? Oh. Yeah, so it's hybrid. So um, people, yeah, we welcome as many people as want to come in person. But it's also online for anyone that can Oh, fantastic. It. Yeah. Oh, that makes it slightly more achievable for me. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Yeah, and it's kind of quite a long way up to Durham from Essex. So yeah, if you sign up, you can have access uh, for a few weeks afterwards as well. So if you if you're not there at the time and day, you can definitely join. I have to say that has been one boost of having lots of online conferences in the last couple of years, where you can really space out. I mean, I know Amy and I a couple of times have done CPHVA conference, and there's always that massive FOMO of choosing one thing yeah. and missing out something else so um having chance to uh really sort of take it all in and replay as well some things is yeah, really great yeah so yeah really it's changed. all very exciting i'm hoping i can kind of shoehorn it i'm doing a phd at the moment on unsettled infants so i'm hoping i can kind of shoehorn it in under there but sneakily i really just want to go because this looks really good <laughs> Yeah, are you going to come in person, do you think? Um, well, I don't know. I'm definitely going to attend at least online and then the in-person thing, we're not, I'm not quite sure, but we'll see. Great, it sounds really interesting. I, can't, I want to hear about your PhD now. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about it for sure. Okay. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, definitely. no, so it's brilliant to have... So you've done some research, haven't you, on sleep pods and nests, which is why we kind of contacted you to say this is something that we're seeing all the time in practice and it's really relevant for obviously people listening. So um, did you want to tell us a bit about what you what the research was that you've done? Yeah, so we... Yeah, so um, BASIS as an um, organisation exists to provide evidence-based information to parents and healthcare professionals about mm. infant sleep. Mm. Um, and there's been a lot of talk about sleep pods, Lullaby Trust, released messaging a few years ago saying that sleep pods and nests um, shouldn't be used by parents because they might pose a risk to babies mm-hmm. um, and there isn't really any evidence um, mm. either way to show whether they are in themselves dangerous but mm-hmm. yeah. um, because they don't offer a clear flat seat space 
yeah. then we that lullaby trust and organizations assume uh that they are dangerous and there have been yeah. incidents of um babies dying in sleep pods or similar kind of scenarios so all of yeah. those incidents though have happened in hazardous circumstances or with yeah. kind of self-made products that okay. um or things that haven't uh that aren't properly manufactured so people buying kind of imitation products at markets yeah. and things like that oh, so there's a bit okay. of a the evidence yeah the evidence isn't so clear with as no. with anything with sudden infant death syndrome it's really really hard to get yeah. very specific evidence yeah mm. And I think this has made it really difficult in being able to give steady, consistent advice, isn't it? I mean, I know from my own experience, I, my before health visiting, I worked in children's A&E for a long time. And I know that, I mean, albeit it was so rare that we would see a sudden infant death, to actually work out causation and correlation with things was just almost impossible. You, there was net, I don't think there, was, there were any that I saw that were immediately very clear cut as to how they had occurred. That's kind of the point, isn't it, I suppose? Exactly. In a lot of ways. Exactly, um, yeah. And the way that so far risk factors have been identified is just by recording as much information about babies that die as possible mm. and then trying to find common features between mm. those deaths. So mm. that means if um if there are things that might be that might ha- have had more influence in that child's death but didn't occur frequently over lots and lots of children, then it's really hard to pick out those things. And especially um, we get asked all sorts of questions about like premature infants as well. What age do they stop being at risk? And again, there are so few deaths now, which is great, but it means that to so many premature babies have to die in order at different ages in order Mm -hmm. to really find out where those kind of nuances are happening yeah Mm -hmm. um and that just isn't really possible with the way that the research is done yeah Uh, yeah it's really yeah so the yeah the point what we did so this survey that we've done Mm -hmm. was with healthcare professionals and parents who so healthcare professionals that work with parents and parents who either use sleep pods or don't use sleep pods. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just asked them some questions to try and find out how people are using sleep pods, people's rationalizations behind using them, why parents are using them, whether people are aware of what the guidelines are. If so, why are they still using them if they yeah. go against the guidelines? Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's quite interesting. I think with with all these kind of guidelines, people interpret and kind of make trade-offs and judgments based on their individual needs and especially with these products. And in a way, that's what we have to do, isn't it? Because, you know, like, obviously, when we're making recommendations to families um, and when we're making guideline recommendations, it's it's quite a different thing in a way, like, statistically speaking, because you're looking at, like, risks at a population level versus an individual's risk of something, which is, you know, much more nuanced and there's going to be tons of factors that Im- impact that one child's risk as opposed to a population risk which you might say like you know we want babies to be sleeping on a flat safe um you know a flat firm surface which these sleep pods don't represent um 
and that's kind of a population level recommendation but then on an individual level that parent then has to make the decision about whether they're going to choose to follow that guidance themselves and we know that in practice people parents love these nests yeah i think that's um yeah so one of the things that you just mentioned so we call it a risk minimization approach rather mm. than a risk elimination so mm. um we know with lots of things like bed sharing mm. um that everything has risks and benefits mm. and so if you have a risk elimination approach and you're telling parents and families to just not do something uh it completely ignores the fact that that behavior has might have benefits for those people and yeah. it shuts down conversations um it yeah. means that people can't talk about how to do things safely yeah and parents feel judged and there's all sorts of layers that happen which the end result of that means that people might still engage in those behaviors but we're yeah, not having open conversations <laughs> yeah yeah agreed um so it's this really risk positive minute... yeah so yeah. encouraging this like everything you're saying is really lovely to hear because it does make that easier in a way to think that we're moving in the direction of being able to have sensible honest evidence-based conversations with families but of course we need the evidence don't we of whether they are actually safe or not and in what circumstances yeah it's um it's quite tricky i think with this risk minimization approach um it does it opens up these conversations Mm. and it and the nice guidelines um kind of advocate for this approach so this is the approach that's being adopted in this country yeah um from this survey when we asked families about who use sleep pods about why they use sleep pods Mm. pretty much um all of them were aware of the risks of using them. So there isn't an issue with messaging. Okay. People are getting those messages and people know what those messages are. It's yeah. just people acting, making their own decisions mm. um, and acting based on other information. So we saw that um, a lot, most people, so over half of the people who reported using sleep pods use them because their friends and family and networks were telling them oh we use them and they were good yeah so the way people are hearing from multiple sources different contradictory messages Mm -hmm. and so people are then trying to work out who to listen to um and if people's friends and families and support networks are telling them oh this thing helped us this thing helped our baby sleep better then a lot of the time when parents are desperate they're willing to try anything yeah absolutely but it's yeah but it's definitely this balance between parents understanding there's so many different products on the market each make different claims about safety and i think it's really important that parents understand that product safety is based completely on whether the manufacturing standards are safe and not Mm. whether the products in themselves are safe so um manufacturing is all about using chemical you know what kind of chemicals whether it's fireproof and those kind of things it's not they don't trial how the product how how are the products actually used and how that affects like the temperature of the baby breathability and those kind of things some products which focus a lot on breathability have done studies looking at breathability but we still don't know what causes SIDS so the product might not be a suffocation risk but it doesn't mean that the baby having its face close to the edge of the product might trigger Mm. some kind of physiological response that causes SIDS 
sure. So there's like a, a nuance there in what is causing uh, death. Yeah, or, it's so hard, isn't it? Yeah, and it is really difficult. And I suppose the tricky thing as well is that in some groups, the use of these things is, feels so widespread that there must be an element of thinking of assuming that they're low risk because otherwise other people using them would be impacted. And I mean, I must admit, it's that thing where I know for all the, the concern there is raised in our sort of professional Facebook groups and things about the use of these items, mm. I don't think I've ever actually seen anyone reporting an incident of critical harm with a baby using them. And so it makes it really tricky at times to kind of, when you're trying to explain why not to use them, there isn't any kind of example to really properly hang on, you know, evidence-based example to be able to go, look, actually, this is what could happen and this is directly because of this. Yeah. I wonder if as well in your research, if you notice the change in the way parents are using them, Parents seem to, in my experience, anecdotally, parents seem to be using them for daytime naps now and seem to be getting the message that actually, if they're sleeping as well, not to use them. I didn't know if that's something that has come up in your studies as to, um, yeah, sort of it feels like there's been a bit of a tide change in parents realising how best to use them. Yeah, I think, so there are two things. I think I mentioned this at the beginning, but the... The risk really, I think, with these products is not with the kind of middle class families that are buying these products uh, from retailers. It's setting this kind of precedent that babies need these kind of closed sleep environments in order to sleep. Babies will sleep if they don't have one of these products. Yeah, Yeah, sure. And I think it's setting this idea that these things are essential. Those people who can't afford these expensive products, because they are really That's expensive. Such an interesting angle. Yeah. Those people feel yeah. like they need them or they want them. Yeah. And then those people are trying to then come up with either their own versions by wrapping towels and duvets and pillows around the baby, which oh, is adding right. yeah. suffocation mm-hmm. risks and ba- you know babies can get tangled. Yes. Or they're buying these cheap imitation products. And those are the people that are most likely to have vulnerable babies anyway. Sure. Yeah. So, so it's... a clustering of risk factors there, which is where obviously we do see yeah. the tragedy. Yeah, so it, the thing is, is kind of like the, these products are like creating this new normal in what how sure. babies should be sleeping. And then that's filtering down um, to within our culture yeah. of where we think babies should be sleeping and how to get babies to sleep, which is then resulting in babies being put to sleep in hazardous circumstances. I see. So I think that's where this risk minimization comes in, which is yeah. to understand that families who are aware of the guidance, aware of the safety concerns, are buying products that um, are from manufacturers who make claims of safety. Again, we don't actually know the extent to which they are safe, but as there's been very there have been very little deaths in these yeah. kind of products, it's to focus on the people who um are creating these makeshift environments or not buying I see. proper products. Yeah. Um there was it's a second part of your question. Health and inequality. 
No, that was such yeah. an important, yeah. interesting point. It's just yeah. another bit of just widening yeah. that also and the inequity it's... gap, isn't it? And the, the disproportionate yeah. impact that all of everything and... seems to have on more vulnerable groups. Yeah, and it's also that thing of that we see with formula marketing again and again of the almost the aspirational yeah. parenting, and that uh, that thing of making people believe they need something that they really don't need. Um, yeah, yeah, and you and, see it oh, so much. The I yeah. see so many of these products on Instagram with oh God, yeah. Instagrammers and people like that uh, showing pictures of their baby in these elaborate sleep environments with all these really expensive products and yeah. um, showing that, that you know, so people are aspiring to, to that. Yeah. And I think people, I mean, I think these influencers need to understand, like, what the implications of those yeah. Yeah. things are. It really feeds into the narrative as well, doesn't it, that, um, that, you know, your baby should be sleeping for long stretches and if they're not, there's something wrong and perhaps the solution is one of these problems products you know which of course is yeah. playing right into the manufacturer's hands that's exactly what they want and obviously we know the reality yeah. is that baby sleep is not at all what we expect it to be evolutionarily and you know the basis is durham lab has done some excellent work on this of course we know yeah, yeah i think and that i think that's like where the role of the healthcare professional comes in, comes in. Yeah. which is trying to communicate to parents deep, long periods of uninterrupted sleep, even though at times that, it, well, even though that's what you want is not necessarily mm. what is best for the baby. Mm. And to understand that frequent waking is normal. Yeah. And, um, but also to understand that parents need to balance that with their own needs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, but to but again, just to try and communicate to parents that there there are other ways of sleeping with a baby or, or of getting a baby to sleep that doesn't involve using these products. And there's so much bias in the way people interpret their baby's sleep. So we yeah. know that um, like people who give formula people who report giving formula to their babies to sleep when actually they object, we objectively measured their sleep, mm. even though they reported their babies were sleeping better, their babies were sleeping exactly the same as yeah. breastfed babies. <laughs> yeah. And so it's this idea that I've done something and that's the thing that's made the difference. Rather yeah, this like kind of autonomy, just, like yeah. control as the parent to be able to exercise control over something which is yeah. very scary and uncontrollable. <laughs> Um, I think the second part of my question that I kind of got lost because I yeah. went blah, 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 in one go, which Amy's editing will hopefully <laughs> untangle. Well, um, if it doesn't, at, then it's fine. <laughs> be, being like anecdotally that parents seem to be changing the way they use them. So they do seem to, the message seems to have got through that actually, you know, the supervised naps, you know, that small lettering on them saying, to please supervise your baby when using this feels like it's filtering through and that they're they're understanding at least that is for when they're in the same room they're laying down and things but i mean i'm guessing well that's what they're telling us is you, yeah yeah again True. so in the survey we did ask people how they were using them mm. um and we had 70 percent of the people that responded who had a pod or an nest said that they were confident that they met UK safety standards. So this was safety standards about manufacturing and things. Mm. 
Um, and then when we asked them about what the manufacturer's safety instructions said, how easy they were to find and whether they used them according to, yeah, 38% of people said they weren't following the manufacturer's safety okay. guidance. So uh-huh. that's just over a third of people saying, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, we've read the, the guidance and actually we're not following it. And most of that was from unsupervised sleep. Mm-hmm. Right. and putting babies at night um, or unsupervised in pods and nests. Yeah. There's a there's a bit of a myth as well, isn't there, that, um, well, I mean, I suppose we don't really have the evidence to say that it is a myth, um, but there's definitely a thought that if I put my baby in this pod and then put them in bed with me, they'll be safer than if I just lie them on the bed with me because I won't roll onto them and, you know, they're, they're in their own kind of separate sleep space, Yeah, if you like. Um, so I think people kind of interpret and interpret and see things differently, perhaps from from how the messaging is intended always. Yeah, it's difficult with that one because some of these products originally were designed for that mm. and were for to facilitate safer bed sharing. Okay. Um, so, and it's difficult to say whether again it's more risky or not having a baby because um we don't have that evidence we don't have that information yeah um but i think getting the message across i think it's it comes out from uh fears about bed sharing and not yeah. understanding how to bed share safely yeah yeah uh too and it's the same we see the same kind of paradox happening with sleeping on a sofa that parents get yeah. the one message that bed sharing is bad. So, so they this, actually yeah. go into more dangerous situations like sleeping on a sofa with a baby. Yeah. yeah. And so it's about parents need to understand like what the messages are and why they're being told those messages. And this, again, this like risk minimization, risk mitigation, that mm, there yeah. are layers of risk and they can make decisions based on kind of eliminating the highest risks yeah but maybe allowing for uh some risks if they feel like that's what they need to do in that moment so if they if the only way they can sleep is with their baby in bed with them or their baby on them that it's better that they sleep in a clear bed um maybe under supervision so they could ask a partner or someone else just to Mm. keep checking on them to make sure the baby is not covered by any loose bedding and things like Mm. that than it is to sleep to go and sleep on a sofa and sleep with a baby Mm. Uh, again we don't know about pods we we just don't have enough information we don't know whether people are taking the babies out of pods in the middle of the night and then the pods are becoming a suffocation risk where the babies Mm. are staying in the pods whether what's happening with the babies while they're in the pods it's just we just don't know. Sounds like a job for the um, infant sleep lab, almost, <laughs> doesn't it? I was going to say, <laughs> it would always be interesting to invite some parents who are using pods anyway to, to sleep and to be able to, to watch I definitely feel them. like Alice is uh, perhaps thinking about doing research <laughs> like that. Or... Well, um, we did. We have done a very small study um, with a few people using pods in the lab, but we, um, yeah, we... We don't know too much about that. We were just kind of seeing yeah. whether it was something that could be done. Yeah. Um, and it would be wonderful if we could have a real good, high-quality body of research in this area that yeah. isn't biased by being produced by the people who make yeah. the pods, obviously. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. To answer some of these questions. But it's tricky. It's interesting. I'd not even... It is funny how, and, and Amy will agree with me, there's so often on this podcast where we speak to go, interview guys and suddenly a penny will drop. Mm. And for me, the penny drop moment for today has definitely been you talking about the guys who can't afford a proper pod yeah, and are sure. making the imitations with the towels, with the blankets wrapped over, which, I mean, just in my head, I'm, li- I'm imagining it and thinking, oh my God, yeah, that is so... So risky. true. Yeah. And it yeah. is just that whole aspirational thing. It drives me bonkers. I mean, it's like, it's that, yeah, bonkers thing of how everything world is marketing. And that thing, if you can imagine the guys who are maybe looking at the John Lewis website for, for ideas of what they want. I think if, mm. even if you Google about what do I need for a baby, it's yeah. going to be things like John Lewis and I can't even think of other big retailers yeah. now because Mother Care's gone, isn't there really anymore but are going by their listings. And, of course, their listings are completely based on which companies sell. are paying them for advertising. Mm. Mm. I mean, yeah, it's similar to the whole what do you need to breastfeed. Well, no, you don't Google that and the first answer is a pair of boobs, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I have a, a, a friend who was using a sleep pod, mm. almost used the brand name, um, and they... <laughs> They were you very, very careful about using it only under supervision. They used to put their baby down in the evening to kind of get to sleep and then move her into other sleep space. They never left her unattended. They mm. followed all the safety guidance. And then they went on holiday um, and they uh. didn't want to take it with them. So then they sent me a picture saying, oh, look, we made, a, you know, we've got the duvet and we've made a little pod because she loves the pod so much. Oh, and I was like, no, this is, this is it. Like the, and they were like, this but she won't happens. sleep, she won't not sleep in it. So we have to, and we, we didn't want to carry it. And it was just, yeah. And I just saw this is the, where the, pre- it sets this precedent that this is what the baby needs. And this yes. is the only thing that let, they'll accept. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that that was like a real moment for me where I was like, oh, this is... This is the danger. This is the thing. It's like you can use them appropriately according to the manufacturer's instructions, but what happens if you're in a situation where you can't do that? And Yeah. Yeah. And are there any that... Um, I mean, I, I'm sure you know obviously a lot more about these than I do, the detail of them, but are there any that do actually say that you can use them for unsupervised sleep? Because there are some, aren't there, that are marketed as... I mean, I know they all have, like, pictures of a sleeping baby in the on the front and whatever, but most of them say you're not supposed... You, you're supposed to supervise, but there, you're nodding that there are some. Yeah, yeah, so there's been, like, this whole boom with various different companies creating, you know, kind of modified versions of these products. Mm. Um, they're the big sleep pod product company recently rebranded to take the word sleep out of their name oh, really? because following controversy about um yeah yeah babies actually them not advising babies to sleep <laughs> yeah you can't that and then say but, but, it's not follow, sleep. but other... why would you think it was for sleep yeah yeah <laughs> oh, um other other companies now have made what they claim are sleep safe products uh-huh. um and they might be yeah they might but be know. but again it there's you know the whole layers of they might be sleep safe 
but things still might happen and it's still creating this normal that babies need those kind of spaces to sleep in mm. and the sleep safe ones are more a lot more expensive than the other ones yeah right okay yes obviously funny how that happens yeah, yeah strange strange about that um okay so i suppose if we were looking for some i'm trying to think because because what i'm hearing is that this is such a complex area and it's so difficult to actually pull out clear accurate messages that you can share with parents um, and I'm wondering how I would interpret that. You know, if I was listening to this as a as a health visitor in practice, and I'm about to go into a new birth visit, and the parents there with a sleep pod or a, a nest or a whatever you call these things, um, you know, and I'm now perhaps thinking, oh, I don't really know quite how to have that conversation. Do you have any tips or ideas about what health visitors can confidently say? Yeah, yes. I think what needs to be said is. Uh, the guidelines advise against using these kind of products. Yeah. We don't know, we don't have evidence of safety, but you need, you know, if you're going to use this product, you need to consider how you might mitigate risks, which is using it under supervision, mm-hmm. um, making sure you don't use imitation or makeshift kind of sleep environments yeah or versions of it uh i think watch as uh follow the same kind of guidance with mattresses and things like that which is um making sure that they're clean they don't have any mold on them and things like that um we did actually find in the survey um that some people reported uh, what thirty one percent of people reported getting their pods second hand? I was and just they, thinking of that. Yeah, <laughs> and they acknowledged that there might, you know, that there was. We asked them, well, how did you feel about? Do you know about using second hand mattresses and things? And they, yeah. they said things like, oh, well, I got it from my sister who I trust, so okay. I think it would be good. But mm. you know, it's not about trusting the person; it's about whether the product is damaged or has anything on it that might yeah. um, affect the baby so yeah people people are thinking about these things but they're making their own judgments based on their own kind of biases that they have sure. which is why would someone that i trust give me a product that's not safe, safe. for my baby yeah um and it's not as clear as that in reality because yeah. there is no blame in these things it's not no. the person who gave yeah. you the pod's fault but um no, sure yeah so i think people need to think through those things and and again to just emphasize that products or anything that makes a baby sleep deeper and longer might pose a risk of SIDS yeah mm. um babies need to wake frequently so it's just to go back and yeah, to understand normal the normal sleep. infant sleep and say yeah. products might claim make claims uh, about making babies sleep longer or they might actually Mm. make babies do that but it might be interfering with their biology yeah yeah which might have consequences that we don't fully understand yet yeah 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 and then and on the the other level to understand that manufacturers claims or because something's on the market it doesn't mean that it doesn't pose a risk it just means that it's met a certain Mm. manufacturing standard that's out there and things things don't get there's no 
verification for things to get on the market they get on the market and then things happen and they get taken off the market mm. so things only get taken off the market when we see dangers yeah yeah so that's the way the market works just because it's for sale doesn't necessarily mean it's oh. fully fully safe yes. yeah yeah you can't wait for something to be removed from the market before i mean cop bumpers are still on sale everywhere yeah I mean, how long have we known that we're not supposed to use cot bumpers and yet they're still selling them in every single yeah. place? Mm. Well, it feels as well now, like, one of the risks is, and you often see it on Facebook, on the marketplace and things, of people making mm. these, like, bumper sets and quilts and things mm. for babies mm. with all these elaborate bows and ribbons, and you're just like, oh, my God, no. And it's mm. that thing where you just think, oh, my God, it's not really too long before they're making sort of their own sleep positioners and sleep pods and yeah. trying to sort of sell them and it's just like oh my word it's just so so unsafe and i guess that's what you're talking about is this kind of the the culture of of it becoming a necessity therefore we have to find a way of doing it so let's you know come up with all these other ways so even if we were be able to if, if we were able to evidence safety in you know with a specific product and used in a specific way the, there will always be dangers and risks about it being used outside of those circumstances. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm I'm just wondering about um because I always see these um hammock things now as well that are like almost clip onto cots and they keep they're they're literally a hammock you know, and then that's that's the actual position that the baby's lying in as well. Which um do we? It, is there something different about those or would you say would you include them with all the others they feel slightly worse to me but maybe that's just my bias yeah yeah so the thing with the hammocks is because it pushes the baby's chin onto their chest so it could block their baby's airways yeah so that's um why hammocks are not advised um as infancy products it was i remember i mean this is going back kind of 10 12 years when I was expecting my first but I remember there being was it Ambi hammocks and they were this really big thing where you built you know you bought the hammock and it had this sort of frame that it hung off of and it was all meant to be amazing for reflux and I mean it was interesting because they were such a thing and then just vanished completely and I'm guessing it was finally they realized how uh, unsafe they could be and the emphasis on the chin chest. I think they vanished around at the same sort of time that I remember it being that car seats, talk about not keeping your child well, in the car seat for too long because of that same thing of the chin to the chest. But they definitely are still out there. You know, we still see them popping up, these oh. these hammock things. We do see them. And um, I think for me, that's probably, I, I don't know, disagree with me if I'm wrong, Alice, because you know much more about this from like a technical research perspective but it feels to me like we have a good body of evidence that a chin to chest position isn't safe and um, you know from sling wearing literature like where it's being slings have been worn incorrectly from car seats as you mentioned jen yeah. you know we we know that that position is not safe for babies to be in for prolonged periods of time and so anything that recreates that position i'm not sure whether we need a another study that specifically shows that hammocks are are rock do you see what i mean whether we yeah. can we can use that 
knowledge yeah. that we already have about that that position and transfer it onto a product that is using the same concept yeah yeah but that this is exactly kind of what's happening with pods because yeah. we've got to the point of saying a clear flat sleep space we're at that point we know that that's yeah. what's the the least risk to babies so then it's these products are not a clear flat sleep space and then so we go back and but but then there's you can always refute that advice by saying yeah. but do you have the actual evidence yeah, sure and um so it's continuously like having to maintain a pace to keep up with the product market yeah yeah which is going to be impossible yeah yeah so you mm. just have to have to try and get whatever evidence you can find yeah or commit your life to <laughs> testing all products yes yeah. yeah or there should be an onus on products manufacturers to properly test the sure before yeah they can put, yeah be put yeah. on the market people yeah. probably the, assume that there is as well like you yeah, said because exactly. manufacturers standards they assume that there's been some safety testing with that yeah yeah um, and so are you still working on this project now or is there something new sleep-wise that you're now looking at? So this sleep pod survey um, was done last September. So we did that kind of based on some other things that we were looking at at the same time. Sorry, is um, that out there? Is it, is it published? No, Not no. Yet. I was going to so find Yeah, so this is uh, quite new stuff that we did last year that we're still working yeah. out. Sure, still in the pipeline. Um, I love it. We got the scoop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the plan is to kind of come up with our own. So as basis, we have resources for parents and healthcare professionals. We have information sheets and things like that. So we're going to try and use uh, some of this stuff from the survey to come up yeah. with an information sheet and just to provide a bit more context about pods Thank and nests. Um, Great. So, yeah, that's the next plan is to come up with that and then to step back and think, actually, is this is this publishable and is it worth publishing um, in academic sphere or whether it's, yeah, whether it's beneficial yeah. there or whether it just needs to get out um, yeah, to health sure. professionals and parents. Yeah. That's brilliant. You could almost, almost do Exciting. with sending it as a press release to every mother and baby magazine that is, is going, yeah. really. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. So yeah. Um, is there any other, are there kind of any resources that you'd recommend? I know that there's the, obviously you mentioned the Lullaby Trust resources on sleep aids already. We know about those and Basis have got excellent resources on their website that I'll link to as well. Um, is there anything specific around pods that you'd recommend or really that's what you're hoping your survey is gonna yeah so basically that's the gap that we're trying to fill because I don't think there is um some of the feedback that we got in the survey was parents saying well I tried to look this up and I couldn't find anything so I because there was a lack of information I assumed that that meant it it was was safe. safe yeah um so and again, we don't know if they're safe or not. So we're still in this that yeah. same kind of situation. Yeah. But um, hopefully we can contextualize some of this like with the stuff I've told you today, like you said, yeah. like I said about imitation pods and things like that, mm. so that parents understand that there is again different levels of risk involved in That's using brilliant. products like this. 
and when yeah. when that does come out hopefully we'll be able to link to that as well yeah, yeah we'll definitely share it with you definitely brilliant um, and it'll be publicly available and free so. brilliant. brilliant brilliant and obviously if ever you need to uh, get any messages out to uh, health yeah. visitors or you're needing anyone to participate in uh, research let us know because we'd be very happy to promote that for you as well definitely yeah that would be amazing anything else that anybody wants to add on before we finish up because i think that's really brilliant thank you so much for your time alice it's It's been fantastic um it's really interesting it's it's that thing where on the one hand we're thinking oh it would be great oh it looks like amy's frozen um on the one hand it would be uh, you know, great for you to have come on and said, right, here we go, definitively. Yeah. <laughs> They're all evil. Make a big bonfire. But I think it is that thing where actually it's more realistic. And as Amy yeah. was saying, I think this helps us to have those more realistic talks around the wider issues of risk and things with yeah. families. Because um, I do think some of the best advice is often not so much advice, but more info- information for parents to then have that decision yeah yeah i think and i think that's what healthcare professionals need to remember the you know the nice guidance the information this risk minimization approach focuses on giving information making sure parents are informed and allowing them to make their own decisions based on their individual yeah. circumstances <laughs> um but no um I've gone, I was going to say something then, I've gone blank. Oh, yeah, no, so I think it's it's in a similar vein to how we have to be careful of giving too much of the breast is best information without the context of how to breastfeed and things. I think it's that thing of saying, you know, what is best for sleep, but also that context of where to find the information and everything. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so um, thank you so much, Alice, for your time. It's been fantastic. And um, for everyone listening, if you want to see more information from Basis, you've got website, haven't you? Yeah, um, basisonline.org. Um, yeah, I do still have to think, you know, remember it's Basis and not ISIS. Um, for so long, it was like, it was so memorable for parents when it was ISIS, because I was like, <laughs> not the terrorists. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It really stuck in people's minds. But definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah, there was obviously... Um... It was the thing of make sure you put sleep in Google with ISIS as well. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, the thing that really tipped us, we were hearing from Muslim mums who were saying, we really want this oh. information, but we can't, we don't feel comfortable oh. Googling oh, this. And we were course. like, okay, we need to change yes. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was a point where we thought, why should we change our name? Yeah. <laughs> it's not no, up completely, to us, but completely. it was, yeah, the feedback was pretty and clear. Are you guys on any social media as well? If you, Facebook yeah, so or Facebook, Instagram? Instagram, Twitter, all of that, basis online or baby sleep information source. Yeah. Um, if you search us, uh, we're on there. We've got an infant sleep app that parents can download. Yes. yes. Um, yeah, very if, good. If they look on the website, all of our resources are linked yeah, on there. That's really And if handy. there is any health visitors listening, I think it's unlikely, but maybe student health visitors that haven't come across you yet, um, you really need to get yourself onto that website and have a look at those resources because as soon as you do, you'll be recommending them in every single contact. Yeah. They're just yeah. so brilliant. And the app again is brilliant just to be yeah, able to yeah. it's that thing where I'm I'm all for going as paper light as possible these days. So the fact you can recommend the app and for them to download and just see what they want from that is brilliant. 
Um, but no, thank you again, Amy. It's been amazing. No, thank you for having and me. If you guys want to get in touch with us, um, if you maybe have listened to this episode and then looked up some of the basis um, guidance and then you know, reflected on it for your own practice, you can always ping us a message to get a certificate for your CPD. You can contact us. Um, I am a health visitor at gmail.com or on Instagram, I am a HV, or on Twitter, I am a HV, and on Facebook, where we're long again, I am a health visitor, um, is our Facebook page. But yeah, thank you again, and yeah, look forward to um, it being in your ears again soon, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody, and thanks so much, Alice. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye.